Would this describe where you're at today? Maybe today you're feeling sorrowful about something you said. Maybe today you're starting to feel, have a little bit of feeling about the situation. Please present yourself to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit do a thorough work in your heart. Let the sadness that you're feeling go all the way from worldly and human to godly. You know, the, the danger is they often feel the same. You feel sorry for what you did, and you kind of, yeah, you also feel sorry for what you did before the Lord. But before the Lord, you let Him go deeper. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's a true delight to be with you like this on the radio, and welcome to Abounding Grace. We'll hand things over to Pastor Ed Taylor in a moment, who today picks up where we left off in 2 Corinthians. We've all experienced it. We've done or said something terrible, and we feel bad about it. But where do you go from here? Well, Pastor Ed will show us how to experience godly sorrow that leads to repentance. It's modeled for us in quite a few places in Scripture, so let's get right to it. We're in 2 Corinthians 7. When you are and I are captivated by godly sorrow, I realize that I've sinned against God. And I realize that I've done the wrong things. I, I recognize that I've hurt people and that I've been living selfishly. I've realized and come to the understanding. I mean, you can see if you just go one, one after another, it's overwhelming. How can we not be sorrowful when we see the result of our actions? And not only that, we begin to see how we've been inconsiderate of the needs of others. How we have not, like the Bible says, esteemed others above ourselves. I begin to sorrow over the violent, wicked, evil things that are in my heart. That even when somebody, you know, you're trying to reconcile, even when somebody says, no, no, it's not that bad, you know it was that bad. You don't need anybody to tell you because the Spirit of God has shown you shown you your own heart. You remember you've been praying Psalm 139? You remember that? That's a prayer in your heart. Lord, search me and know me and reveal in me if there's any unclean thing. Remember that prayer? You've been praying that lately? God might just answer it. Hey, here it is. And the result of that answer is not, hey, things are good because you're abiding in me. It could be things are really, really bad. And look at your despicable heart not in a condemning way God certainly isn't condemning you you asked for it and he gave it to you and you know what the next part of the prayer is lead me in the way of everlasting lead me in the truth some translations lead me show me where I'm at break me and then lead me in the right way it's powerful it'll lead you to godly sorrow it's not a guilt trip that the world gives or that some might give and lay you on some guilt trip and try to, you know, the, the, the idea of guilt tripping is just try to, to somehow humanly bring about godly sorrow and it's impossible. This is only a work of the Spirit. 
That's what Paul's telling them. You know, you're, you sorrowed, but not just in a sorrow, not just a worldly, not just the sorrow of the world. You guys, you guys let the word of God break through all of the barriers you built up and get to the heart of the matter, and you shouldn't regret this. Don't regret it. It's painful and it's hard, but don't regret it. It's from the Lord. You're going to be a stronger person as a result of it. You're going to be a changed person. It's a time of growth. You know why? Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know who can know it? God. We don't even know our own heart sometimes. And God's able to reveal it to us. Not with a guilt trip, but with an answer to prayer. God is able to lift us up and forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, this is, remember that the church of Jesus Christ, no matter what church you're a part of, every small body of believers like us as a part of the larger church of Jesus Christ, we're the household of God. This, this, the, the body of believers belongs to the Lord. And you know, in his house, he just doesn't let things slide. When, when the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, the way that happens is not just God blinking his eye at sin, but he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. A sinless sacrifice so that he himself would take the full weight and penalty for your sin and mine. So when you think of love covering a multitude of sins, it's not like anybody's getting away with anything. Jesus took upon himself your sin and mine. The disgusting, horrible hair, just everything about, he took that upon himself so that we might experience his love. The Lord doesn't condone sin. He doesn't condone worldliness or worldly behavior. He wants to bring about true godly repentance. This is exactly what David felt. David was totally in the spirit when he expressed his repentance. Would you turn over to Psalm 51? Psalm 51. This is, man, if there's ever a picture of what this looks like, here it is. Psalm 51. So wonderful. You know, David wasn't always here. You know, this is, if you'll recall, David was a man after God's own heart, but not a perfect man. And there was that season in his life where when the, when, when the time when the kings went out to war, David stayed home, saw a woman. You know, that, that's a problem right then and there. He was a king. He should have been out battling, not, not home kicking back. He should have been in the thick of things. But because he was home, a woman caught his eye. He called for that woman, had sexual relations with her, produced a child, killed her husband. And all the dastardly details of that are included in 1 Samuel. And he thought he got away with it. Pushed it out of his mind. Until Nathan showed up, his good friend. And you know who Nathan was? He was the one that had to deliver difficult news. He was the one that had to come with a really hard message. And he did so with a story. And it was from that story that God used to bring great godly sorrow in David's heart. And as a result of that godly sorrow, listen to his testimony in Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Uh, just as a side note, often when we, we don't have time to take apart Psalm 51 and teach through it, but that'll be at a later time. But verse 12 is often misquoted. I don't know if you've ever misquoted it, but I certainly have. And the way it's misquoted is how often uh, I've, I've been known to say, uh, restore to me the joy of my salvation. But that's not what it says. It's his salvation. It's what he's given. It keeps the focus on him. It's your give me back, Lord, the joy of the salva- your salvation, what you've given to me. He says in verse 13, then I'll treat, teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I'd give it. And you don't delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. It's David. It's true godly sorrow leading to repentance. Go back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. You don't want to stop at worldly sorrow. It's a great beginning, church, but it's not where we want to stop. It's not where we want to park ourselves. It's just the beginning. Maybe today your feeling's bad about something you did. Maybe today you're feeling sorrowful about something you said. Maybe today you're starting to feel, have a little bit of feeling about the situation. Please present yourself to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit do a thorough work in your heart. Let the sadness that you're feeling go all the way from worldly and human to godly. You know, the, the danger is they often feel the same. You feel sorry for what you did, and you kind of, yeah, you also feel sorry for what you did before the Lord. But before the Lord, you let Him go deeper. As God is stirring up your emotions, you know this in 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the way out, folks. If you think right now, oh no, what have I done? What have I got myself into? The prophet Joel would give you such a great encouragement. He says, turn to me. This is Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Turn to me, thus saith the Lord. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. 
Who knows if he will return and relent and leave a blessing behind him? Listen, I know, because in Jesus Christ he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind. Return to the Lord. So when God begins to convict you by his Holy Spirit, you begin to see the truth about your life and about the situation, and it brings godly sorrow, which leads you to repent and turn. And it brings you back to salvation, the forgiveness of it, and the freedom that you have to know, you know, I'm clean before the Lord, I'm clean. God, I'm clean before you. May you continue to do that work in our heart. You're looking for, if you want to take notes, if you're looking for a few things in your own life that represent true repentance, Paul lists some right here. And you can look at them in your own life. You can see what they might look, look like for you. It's right there in verse 11. Now that we know the difference. He says, observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. And he says, what diligence did it produce in you? I mean, look what diligence it, and if you're looking for signs in your own heart, you know, you have a diligence to do the right thing. That's true godly sorrow. You want to do the right thing. You want to do whatever it takes to do the right thing. Diligence. The second thing I notice here is what clearing of yourselves. And so you have that desire to make things right and to clear it up. That's the desire. You're, you're no longer holding, you're ready and you're re- whatever, what, you know, the key th- with repentance is whatever it takes. You're just back at that moldable place where you're just like, whatever it takes. And you're like, man, you cleared yourself. You came clean. Not only that, look at the next one. You had indignation. There was some godly, you could say some righteous indignation toward the sin. And you just don't like it for what it is. Not only that, but notice, you also had a new true fear of God that was restored. A tremendous fear of God. Not only that, notice, it says, what vehement desire. You've got a new desire toward obedience. To forsake and to embrace. Not only that, but your zeal is back. And in the end, you you are vindicated. You are in the place where, you know what? It's in my past. I'm sorry for it. I've done what it takes, the fruits of repentance, and I'm ready to go forward in the forgiveness of the Lord. Powerful stuff. There's a big, just before we head off, just to summarize the last part of the chapter here with Titus's encouragement again. As you study through the New Testament, you come to two men who failed greatly. Two men that, as I mentioned their names, one you want to be and one you don't want to be. Two men that walked with Jesus for three years, close and tight with the Lord, ministering and serving with him. And he would, they were there for the miracles. They were there. They were both with Jesus. Two men, as I mentioned their names, some of you would name your kids one and no way you'd name your kids the other. You know who they are by now. Peter and Judas. Really, between you and me, have you ever been in the mall and heard somebody say, Judas, come back here? (laughs) It's just one of those names. We have two men who failed greatly. Two men that express great emotion over their failure. And two very dastardly endings. One really bad and one really good. So I should say one. I don't know why... I dastardly is a name, a word in my head right now, but 
It reminds me of a cartoon when I was growing up. I don't know where that came from. One really bad ending and one really good ending. Let me just show you a little brief insight. Turn back to Matthew's gospel with me just so you can see the difference. You want to see the difference in someone else's life, not just your own, of what true repentance looks like, what godly sorrow looks like, and what ungodly sorrow looks like. Let's start with Judas. Um, In Acts chapter 1, actually they're choosing another disciple in Acts chapter 1, and we see um, in verse 16 of Acts chapter 1, it says, Men and brethren... Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those that arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. He committed suicide. And this is one of those bedtime stories you want to tell, you know, the kids really love. Because it's really, oh, but it's sad. Because Judas was, you know, in another place, you have Peter already feeling the emotion where Peter says, then he went out and wept bitterly. So he wept bitterly because he expressed emotion. And we know all the way through toward the end of John 21 that Peter was restored, that this was true godly sorrow, that he changed his life. But in another place, and I had just found it and didn't, find, and didn't write it down, but it speaks of Judas. He goes back to the, guy, to the priest that gave him the money and wants to give the money back because the Bible says the English word is marked there. He was remorseful. So he's got a very similar emotion. He's recognizing, what did he do? Peter's recognizing, what did I do? Judas says, what did I do? One weeps bitterly, and one's remorseful. One repents, and one commits suicide. Matthew 27, 53. So Acts chapter 1, um, Matthew 26, 75, and then write two verses under that. How do you like that? Don't you hate that when you're looking for something, and it's right there? Like, oh. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver. And of course, he says, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. But that worldly sorrow led to death. Godly sorrow produced repentance. That's what Paul's describing right here. In graphic detail, we have the example in the scriptures. And of course, David would then be that example of godly sorrow. And the Lord just ministered to him and he came clean and and he was free. And then Paul ends the chapter as he's describing it. He says, he says in verse 13, therefore, because it produced godly sorrow in you and because you repented and because you've changed and because you've forsaken and because all of that beautiful, because you have diligence and zeal and fear and, and it's all over now. We can forsake the past. We don't, it's over. We, we don't have to deal with the past. There's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You walk forth in the freedom and the forgiveness that is yours. Therefore, we have been comforted. In your comfort. You know, when you have unconfessed sin in your life, you're not a comfortable person. And some of you aren't even fun to be around. Now, that may not be you, but there are many people watching in, maybe from a distance right now. There are many people that aren't in church anymore. You might refer to them as backslidden. There might be peeking in on the radio right now because they love God, but they're not really wanting to walk with God. They're not really wanting to show up in a place like this because there's a heaviness of conviction. Conviction's heavy duty stuff. 
And it's not because of some guilt laid on them by a pastor or some guilt-laden message. or It's just the reality. Look at your life and look what God says. Man, even if you, you, know, you have some kind of feeling left in you and your conscience isn't seared like a hot iron, you're going to feel bad. Now, you could feel bad in a worldly way that's not going to lead to anything, or you could feel bad in a godly way that's going to lead to great change and restoration. But there's great comfort in freedom when you confess your sins. And he says, we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus because his spirit was refreshed. He got to see this firsthand with his own eyes, his own ears. And he was so, so Paul's getting doubly encouraged, triple. One, he's encouraged that they've changed. Two, he's encouraged with Titus' message. You know, Titus coming back with a big smile. And then third, he's just so blessed because Titus is so blessed. That's the way it should be. We focus so much, I think, on sin sometimes and the consequences of sin. But, you know, there's freedom and restoration and forgiveness and second chances. And if you'll come back to the Lord, he'll receive you. He'll change you. He'll uplift you. He'll bring you back to your first love. And you'll bring comfort back to the people. I received an email just before I came in. I was making some phone calls and catching up on some things before the, after the radio and before service. And I just received an email from a desperate parent describing how their child at one time was walking with the Lord and now as an adult. And actually God used their child to bring them to a saving faith, but now their child's not walking with the Lord anymore. And you could, you know, email's so two-dimensional, you know. You don't, you don't get any of the tone of voice. Or you don't, but I could get the tone of voice on this one. I could feel his pain. I could feel his sorrow lamenting over his child, asking for help and advice, asking for, you know, what's the condition of my child's soul? You know, I really wish I could tell him. I don't know. I say, if, you know, what I like to say is if they're acting like an unbeliever, then evangelize them. And if they say they're a believer and they're acting like an unbeliever, then hold them to a biblical standard and pray that God would bring a work of, their spirit, of his spirit in their hearts. But when you come back to the Lord, there's joy, there's restoration, there's comfort. It's like the prodigal son when he came back to daddy, threw the, man, threw the kid a party. So this is good. This is wonderful. This is something our community should rejoice in. And then it stirred up all that other stuff in the older son his older brother. And so now that the sin is stopped and relationships are restored, joy floods the congregation. He says in verse 14, for if anything I've boasted to him about you, I'm not ashamed. You know, Paul is just bragging on the church. He loved him so much. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found to be true. And his affections are now greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all. That's another sign of true repentance. A person comes back to obedience and how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. 
Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going through the epistle from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to calvaryco.church. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series in 2 Corinthians. Search for Calvary Aurora and download our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app, too. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world. But we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit calvaryco.church or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, we'll say thanks by sending you contented in all things peace. Does contentment seem sort of like an elusive target to you? We live in a world that pushes us to always strive for more and never be satisfied with what we have. That certainly doesn't help matters, does it? But the Lord wants us to experience true contentment and peace, and it can happen. And the Bible points the way. Allow Pastor Jeff Guype to reveal the pathway to contentment to you in this book called Contentment. Call 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryco.church on the web to make a secure donation. We'll get right back into 2 Corinthians tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.